Welcome to today's edition of the Author's Corner, brought to you by KNEO 91.7 FM, The Word, and I'm Roberta Foster. Today, I welcome Dr. Matt Queen to Author's Corner, and he has co-authored with O.S. Hawkins the book, The Gospel Invitation, Why Publicly Inviting People to Receive Christ Still Matters, which is published by Thomas Nelson, and he'll tell you more about how to find the book at the end of the program. Um, we have Matt Queen with us today and he is the L.R. Scarborough Chair of Evangelism and Professor of Evangelism at Southwestern Baptist Theological Seminary. He also serves as Interim Provost at Southwestern, Associate Pastor of Evangelism at Lane Prairie Baptist Church and Evangelism Consultant for the Southern Baptists of Texas Convention. And then O.S. Hawkins is the former pastor of the historic First Baptist Church in Dallas, Texas and is President Emeritus of Guidestone Financial Resources, and he's the author of more than 50 books. So, Matt, thank you so much for being with us today. It is an honor to be with you today, Roberta. I attend a church where the pastor publicly invites people to receive Christ, so I'll have to admit I was surprised to even see your book in print. Um, So how did you even come to realize that public invitations have become rare? Well, I'm, a, uh, as you said, a professor of evangelism, and I'm also an evangelist. So I'm in churches, almost every, a different church almost every Sunday, and okay. uh, so is Dr. Hawkins. And uh, what we've noticed is, uh, you know, it's no surprise to anybody that, that uh, baptisms are going down in the United States. Uh, there's some shifts there w- related to Christianity. And uh, I think one of the contributions that Dr. Hawkins and I have uh, to that decline that we've, uh, that we've noticed is because there are people who, uh, pastors, evangelists, who will get up and who will teach or preach the Bible, but then they just close it down. They don't give anybody just the heads up that there is a response that they need to make right then and there, even if they have a song afterwards, you know. Mm -hmm. And so we really feel like uh, there's not been a book like this written in the last 30 Mm -hmm. years since uh, Dr. Hawkins did. So we felt like it's it's time for for this book to come back uh, to pastors. And so... Will you say that a public invitation is effective, or is that one of the reasons why pastors have stopped um, giving a public invitation? Yeah, so that, I think that's one of the reasons why uh, some pastors have stopped it. it. It's a reason of pragmatism. Uh, some some pastors ha- and, and evangelists they've given they've given these uh, uh, you know gospel invitations and they've not seen anybody come. Mm-hmm. And, and there's a lot of reasons why that, for that. I'd like to maybe explore in just a moment. But but uh, because they don't see it anything happening, they just convince themselves it doesn't work. And uh, Dr. Hawkins at First Baptist Dallas, First Baptist Fort Lauderdale, I, you know, in my evangelistic ministry, we, we've seen that there are some ways uh, that, that a pastor can uh, just make some real simple tweaks, uh, some, put some time in their study for uh, letting the, the text drive their invitation, uh, that we feel like it, that if they do, God will bless and they will be able to see, you know, maybe not every single week, but they, they will be able to see God bless the invitation in a mighty way. And we'll ask you to give us some of those tips in just a moment, but why are public invitations even important to, to offer to people? I'm so glad that you asked that question, Roberta. Dr. Hawkins and I, when we wrote this book, we, we started off in the very first chapter, and we said that the number one reason why pastors, evangelists, even Sunday school teachers, anybody who's speaking about Christ or about the Bible in a public setting, 
um, they ought to be reminded that it's it's uh, examples of doing this are replete throughout the whole Old and New Testament. In fact, Roberta, Genesis three, whenever man man and woman Adam and Eve sin, um, they're hiding behind the trees, and God comes out and says, mm. "Adam." Where are you? Mm-hmm. And he's not asking that question because Adam's a better hider than God is a seeker. He's he's doing that to ca- call him publicly yeah. and immediately to come before him. Huh. And that's echoed throughout the ages. And so uh, the number one reason, I think, is because the Bible's full of them. But another one is, is um, it's the nature of preaching versus teaching. If, if what someone's doing on Sunday morning or in a large group and they're preaching the Bible, preaching actually has a, as a part of its very nature to call people to respond. Mm-hmm. Teaching, you're giving information. You may offer some application, but you're not necessarily asking somebody to, to respond right then. But preaching, the very nature of it itself, uh, calls people to make public and immediate decisions. Mm. Well, as I was reading your preface and looking at the book, a Bible verse came to my mind. And so then as I was reading the preface, I'm like, hey, that's the one I was thinking about, <laughs> and, which is Matthew 10:32. So everyone who acknowledges me before men, I also will acknowledge before my Father who is in heaven. And I've always thought about that from the public invitation standpoint. If we don't have, if we're not sure God's even calling us to repentance to enough to go forward, then maybe it's not time to go forward. But that is that is obviously one way of making sure a person is is serious about um, serving Christ is just to make that public confession. That's exactly right. And, you know, I know there's different views on baptism baptism and what that means in in different faith traditions. Uh, But um, as a Baptist myself, we believe that baptism follows belief. Mm -hmm. And usually baptism is not done, uh, you know, unless you're maybe in a a country where it's illegal. Baptism is not usually done like in a bathtub in private. Mm -hmm. uh, Baptisms are done in public. And uh, those are the ways that we show that we believe that Jesus died, was buried and raised, if it's through immersion, if, if people practice it that way. And uh, you're, you're saying that I've turned away from my sin, I've repented, and I put my faith in this, Jesus died, buried, and risen. Well, we're going to talk more with Dr. Matt Queen in just a moment. I just want to remind the listeners that... He- He has been a part of authoring the book, The Gospel Invitation, Why Publicly Inviting People to Receive Christ Still Matters, and the co-author is O.S. Hawkins, and it's a publication of Thomas Nelson. So earlier you mentioned some tips on how pastors can make that invitation part of their message rather than just a tag-on. In my classes, I have uh, my students uh, meet with pastors to kind of talk about how they're leading their church in evangelism. And one of the questions that pastors are asked many times in in this assignment is, how much time do you spend in your study uh, of of a sermon, any particular sermon you're speaking on? um, how, How long do you speak preparing for that invitation or praying about that invitation? And at least in the you know, pastors that some of the students are uh, interviewing, many of them say very little time, if any at all. Mm-hmm. So I think one of the steps that we, uh, Dr. Hawkins and I from the book, try to encourage pastors and those who are speaking publicly 
uh, to do is to take actually take the time. Uh, if you're doing a sermon or you're doing a Bible study or something else like that, you're going to want to make sure to study. You know what has been said about what, uh, you know what commentators have said about the particular Bible verse, and also maybe give some illustrations. So you're going to spend some time studying those mm-hmm. things, but don't miss out on the fact that you have an opportunity to share the gospel and allow that text to drive the invitation. So that's one thing that we're trying. That's one step that we're trying to uh, just encourage pastors in the book to do. And the second one is is to do exactly what you said. Instead of just doing kind of uh, preaching a text and then kind of just abruptly stopping and then just tagging on kind of a plug and play kind of mm-hmm. a you know repeating the same thing every week. You know, I call you to faith in Christ. I call you to salvation. But instead, um, looking at the text that you've preached and say, okay, what is what are the gospel cues that are in this text? What are the ways that we can uh, this text calls people to actually respond to Christ today. And so there's there's about four little exercises that we have uh, people go through, identifying the genre of the text, identifying what is the spiritual needs in the text, what's the gospel cue, and then thinking about how you're going to contextualize that to the mm. audience you're talking to. Uh, these are some of the things that I think will help make public invitations effective. What about people that say, oh, when you do that publicly, you're just manipulating the people, or maybe the Holy Spirit hasn't finished the work he needs to do, and when you tell them they have to come forward, you're interrupting the work of the Holy Ghost. So uh, how would you respond to those concerns? Absolutely. I think that's a great question. So one of the things that Dr. Hawkins and I do in the book is we really emphasize the role of the Holy Spirit. Um, in this, because you can preach the best sermon, you can give the best invitation in the world, mm. but that doesn't necessarily mean that somebody's going to come to faith in Christ, because as you said, the Holy Spirit has to be the one mm-hmm. to, uh, to to draw them forward. And so uh, we, we don't believe that in any way, um, uh, you know, uh, giving an invitation has to be manipulative. Now, there mm-hmm. have been cases, we are very well aware that there are cases in history, where some pastors have done this, and they've been manipulative. Uh, They've done Mm -hmm. it for their own purposes. So one of the things that we talk about in the book is making sure that the the pastor's coming into the pulpit with a pious heart. Mm. He's not doing this for his own glory or for his own sake, but he is doing it for the sake of the gospel. And, uh, you know, uh, some people say, well, what about preparing, you know, something like this? Isn't that you taken away from the Holy Spirit? One of the guys that we quote in this book that I think made a really important point is Scott Pace, and he said this, an unprepared invitation is not ultimately a matter of skill, spontaneity, or spiritual insensitivity, and the Spirit's work is not synonymous with sermonic freelance. So what he's saying here is this Holy Spirit we show the Holy Spirit that we take things seriously when we actually study it, ask for His help, because when you are in the preparation, you you can have the Holy Spirit work then, not just when you're up in the pulpit. Hmm. Tell us a little bit more about um, how blending the invitation with the message will actually cause people to respond more more frequently. Absolutely, yeah. So again, in the power of the Holy Spirit, when you're when you're allowing the text to drive your invitation, uh, it's going to do a couple of things. Uh, and some of the things Dr. Hawkins and I say in the book are: one thing is, if you're going to use the same invitation and put it, whether you're preaching from Genesis or John or any other book of the Bible for mm-hmm. that matter, what happens is the people that are there listening to you, and especially you know we're thinking about a Sunday morning service. If they hear you saying the same thing at the end of the service every time, they're going to kind of check out. 
Mm-hmm. They will have memorized it themselves, and they're going to say, I already know this, <laughs> so there's nothing here for me. So by allowing the text to drive the invitation, you are going to actually have those that are used to hearing just this kind of a monotonous kind of repetitive thing. They're actually going to hear what the text is saying to them that very day. Mm-hmm. And uh, I believe that the Holy Spirit works best whenever He uh, uh, is is working in conjunction with the Word. You know, Romans ten thirteen says this. It says that faith comes by hearing and hearing the Word of Christ. Mm-hmm. We know nobody can be saved apart from the Word of Christ. So if we're using the Bible, even in the invitation itself, mm-hmm. I think that's something the Holy Spirit is going to bless. Amen. Well, as much as you include in the book, I notice you also have a couple of appendixes that um, one of them actually helps pastors or anyone to uh, develop that gospel invitation. That's exactly right. Yeah, there's a little exercise. And one of the things that Dr. Hawkins and I really are very happy about this book, of the, of the many things, is this little exercise in Appendix 1. Is, it's helping those that want to utilize this book to craft public gospel invitations. So a little worksheet. And as I said, it's kind of got four steps. Uh, what kind of genre? Is this a poem? Is this poetic literature, something like the Psalms? Or is this something like Proverbs? Is this a story? Is this something like, you know, some of the Old Testament uh, storytelling or even the Gospels? Or is this a letter, sort of like the law, you know, the, uh, Leviticus or something? So looking and seeing what kind of literature you're using is going to really help you kind of know how to how to locate those gospel cues in the text, and then find out um, what are uh, some of the spiritual needs that the text talk about. Mm. Then find some of those uh, gospel cues that uh, that are right there present in the text. Uh, and by gospel cue, what I mean is something that attaches to the good news of Jesus Christ. That you know, if, if you're looking at a story and there's a bad example, you're wanting to say, okay, here's an example of somebody who did it their way. But God's way is to put your faith in Jesus, and then you have the Holy Spirit to lead you into a righteousness example. So mm-hmm. something like that with a gospel cue. And then the last one is we give them some help uh, to contextualize whoever they're speaking to, whether it's young people, old people, a mixed mm-hmm. group, whatever it might be how you can translate that all the way uh, to the gospel invitation that you give. Wonderful. Well, you've given us so much to uh, think about in our conversation today. Uh, Tell our listeners, um, Dr. Matt, exactly how they can go about finding a copy of the gospel invitation. Thank you so much. And uh, listeners, you, you can find the Gospel Invitation anywhere books are sold. You can find it on Amazon. You can find it on Barnes & Noble. If you're interested in learning just a little bit more about the, the book, or mm-hmm. if you've maybe got a group that you may want, maybe want to study this book uh, together, you can go to the website called thegospelinvitation.com thegospelinvitation.com and there you can actually buy in bulk and it'll also direct you to some of the major outlets where you can find books. Fantastic. So one more time, the book today is The Gospel Invitation. While publicly inviting people to receive Christ still matters, it's uh, published by Thomas Nelson. We appreciate them giving us a copy of the book today. And Dr. Matt Queen, it's been wonderful talking with you today. It's been an honor, and thank you so much for having me on. And to our listeners, we appreciate you tuning in. This is Roberta Foster on the Author's Corner. Join us again next time.